0: I don't know what 2019 did to us, bro, but we beating this ass right now. We leveling
1: up yeah, all the way, you feel me? So this is going to be episode 33, you know what I'm saying? If you've been listening to Hell Black, you know what I'm going to say right now. Like our shit on SoundCloud. Like it. Repost it. This is sponsored by Patreon, you feel me? So shout out to our Patrons who are rocking with us. Patreon.com slash Hella Pod. Tap in right now. If you're white, don't listen to this shit for free. Black labor is not for free. So pay up right now. You know, we take PayPal too, you feel me? But just tap in with our Patreon. You get extended pay episodes up. as well. So that'd be hella saucy. Like you get to listen to an extended episode of Hella Black. So tap in right now. Patreon.com slash hella black Give us a five star review on iTunes. You still there, George? Yeah, yeah I, mean- okay, I think you the took show. the video off. Right.
0: Now we got the light
1: scan, uh, Abby popping off. <laughs> Fuck it. Yeah. Just- <laughs> it's all good. For sure. So as you can tell, this is a very special episode. We got a guest again. Like, we really got hella guests coming on. Hell of black. You know Bruh. what I'm saying?
0: And we are so fortunate. I feel like the guests that we've had, the last few, Raquel, Taylor, and now George, no disrespect to all of our other guests, like Khadijah, Raquel, and Sankofa. Like we've had some black neighborhood, Raj. We had some fire. But I feel like the last three, bro, is just people that I've like learned so much from. So for yeah. them to come on to the podcast and be able to teach to the masses, right. Like, or at least are the hella black masses. And um, we don't
1: got to talk yeah, <laughs> as like, much I'm like, We're we cool. finna learn too, you feel yeah. me? I'm excited. I feel like yeah. this episode is something too. I'm hella of The different used. topics that we're going to talk about. Like, there's not, I'm not well versed on a lot yeah. of this, so I'm like, I'm going to school today. It's Saturday morning, going to school, you Yeah, feel we, me? we definitely finna get a bar. Yeah. So we got George Johnson on here, activist, journalist, public speaker, Ren for Vogue, Entertainment Tonight, NBC, The Root, Ebony, Damn, Into the Griot. I could keep going, you know. But, bro, mad talented <laughs> for real. He, um, activist, journalist,
0: novelist. Um, is are we missing anything?
2: Uh, no, I mean I've done a lot. I guess titles are funny because you know some people say philanthropist. I've helped send kids to college. I, I've done a lot, so you know.
0: Yeah, man, so go ahead and tell us a little bit more about yourself, you know, all the great things you're doing, um, what you got going up. I feel like this is also a good time to promote, like, your social medias, Patreons, Cash Apps, whatever else you have, because if you do it at the end on the exclusive content, everybody might not hear it.
2: Right. Um, so honestly, I don't have like much to promote right now except for the work that I do. Uh, the work that I do highly centers um, black people, uh, specifically black LGBTQ people. Um, I also do a lot of HIV activism because um, that also intersects a lot of the black community as well. Uh, You guys kind of listed a lot of places that my work is featured. Um, I've been writing more for some of the bigger publications, which is a blessing uh, because a lot of us who are black and queer or just black in general, as journalists, uh, it takes us some time to be able to break into uh, mainstream publications where our voices needed even more. Um, so for BuzzFeed I actually should have something coming out today Um, so I'm starting to write for BuzzFeed I'm writing and doing more filming and documentaries with uh, Vice and the Vice Network Um, most importantly I have my book uh, which will be coming out January of 2020 Uh, the pre-order should be out sometime around April or May called All Boys Aren't Blue which uh, discusses my it's a young adult memoir and it discusses my struggles with um, black community because I was gay and my struggles with white community because I was black and how those two things intersected to play a role uh, in my childhood development and young adulthood. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much it about me. And I go viral a lot, so you can see me on Twitter every day going viral because for some reason I go viral a lot. And
0: boom, yeah, not for some reason. <laughs> like, bro, you be dropping knowledge for real. <laughs> Thank you. I was watching the. um the shit that you did the the video that you did i don't know if that was last week or the week before on kevin hart and i was like pausing it like oh shit like getting juiced in my room like this nigga is reading this nigga while simultaneously educating folks
2: um yeah and you know it's funny uh that's kind of like the style i've tried to adopt even in my column work um my biggest thing is always like um making sure there's a teachable moment like even if you're reading people like there still needs to be some type of like teachable moment in there uh a lot of times what happens is when you're straight up just like reading people for filth like your message can get lost um and i think i struggled with that early on because i'm kind of witty so like i'm always saying like funny jokes or you know funny things about like how white people don't season their food and I, i can go on with jokes but i've even had to learn like okay like even though i'm really upset in this moment um i really need my people to really understand what is going on why these things are problems like homophobia um and to challenge them to be better and also so like you know calling somebody out can be a good thing as long as you're teaching them
1: too right so making sure it's like an educational moment exactly. exactly
0: yeah i feel like as someone who's been trying to develop or not trying like someone that's like practicing and trying to in and, and learning better politics i feel like early on it was hard to do so because when i was being read and i was being read and it was all rooted in fact right it was the message was getting lost and the the method for change hardly ever was included in my in me being like checked you know and that can make it hard to learn and it's like damn but that's also I feel like a burden for the person that's doing the teaching. Right. Like you're saying you're upset. So having to work through that anger while consciously trying to teach at the same time, I feel like that's also a burden. Right.
2: And you know what? That's, it's tough. Um, and I, even when, when some of the situations were happening, um, I was having to explain that to people. Like some of us are going to have to take on that burden, but I do know that some of my people in my community are so beat down that they just have no will left to want to work with uh, cis-hetero people anymore. Um, And that's okay. Uh, But for me, if I'm really truly like someone who believes in liberation and and truly wanting to see my people out of cages and wanting to see uh, what's best for my people, then I can't make them disposable as I've been made to be disposable. So so for me, it's it is it is a lot to take on because that oftentimes it means that the victim is doing 90 percent of the work to get right. the abuser to help grow the abuser um but i appreciate coming on the other side of that and being able to come on podcasts and come on shows where there are Cichette people who actually have listened to my work and are learning from it um that that's really at the end of the day What matters to me? It's like not only because like my people are gonna support it regardless because they know I'm fighting, but it's it makes it it makes it more meaningful when I have people who are on the other side who are like, you know what? Like I can stand beside this brother, um, and and his sexuality not be like the biggest thing that blocks me from being able to be friends with him or to to know that even if because I think that's a part of it too, right? Like everybody thinks that we want acceptance. A lot of us don't really care about acceptance anymore. I just want acknowledgement. And I tell people that all the time, like acknowledge that I have the same right to have the same things you have. Acknowledge that I deserve equity and equality just like you. You don't have to be my friend and you don't have to accept it because it's not your choice to accept who I sleep with and what I do but you do have to acknowledge my presence, acknowledge my blackness and acknowledge that I deserve everything that you deserve. And that the only way we're going to get to any type of liberation is if we do it together.
1: Right. So what led you kind of come into that understanding and like, how did you get into doing this work?
2: Um, realistically, I, I mean, I've been doing community service work since I was very young. Um, at the age of 14, my grandmother and I started a soup kitchen in our city. And every Saturday um, from the time I was 14 to the time I graduated high school and went to college, um, we would deliver soup to the sick and shut in of uh, members of the church. Um, and, I, and I did that for years. So and my grandmother, uh, who even though both of my parents are in my life and both of my parents have always been in my life, both of my parents work. So my grandmother realistically is the person who raised me. Um, she was always a caregiver, always a community activist type of person. So like from very early on, I had those principles instilled in me. Uh, I think the one principle though, that I had instilled in me that I had to work through was respectability politics. Um, I kind of got caught up in the hype, especially in college around like burying the N word and like, you know, pulling up your pants. And if you want to be treated like something, you have
0: to look like something and all of that bullshit that- vicking to that mindset. That's a boy. <laughs> right. right. You
1: know, and I got to stop buying Jordans and stuff, you know.
2: <laughs> and you know that whole, you know, get yourself a passport and all of that bullshit.
1: Black passport Twitter be on some, you know, I don't know. They be on some <laughs> sometimes.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I mean the biggest thing that they on is like, I, I guess like the inability to understand that the passport costs $150 not the entire trip. So I, I've never understood that. <laughs> Every time it comes up, I'm like, but the trip cost $1,500. The Jordans cost, still only cost 200 Like, I don't know. Um, but Yeah, so a lot of it started then. Um, by the time I started coming into my own sexuality, uh, being more public about it, I was around like 25, 26 uh that was when i started getting a lot more vocal um just about some of the issues in our community then following um black youth project 100 starting which was a 100 activists coming together following um i believe it was the death of trayvon martin but it may have been the death of mike brown um following mike brown being killed uh by the police officer a bunch of activists came together and that's kind of when i really got fully involved in um Activism and unlearning a lot of the things that I have been taught that I shouldn't be able to do Um, One of my big pushbacks that I've started doing is like I've always had tattoos But I always had them in places that you couldn't see like places that as long as I wore a shirt You wouldn't know that I had Mm -hmm. any tattoos. And so now I have tattoos on my hands um, As a sign that I'm not your respectable Negro like, you know, like because You can't get a job like that. Well, I got a lot of jobs, and I still have them. So, you know, that's some bullshit that I had to work through and unlearn. Um, So, yeah, that's kind of how, like, my whole path got started. Um, A lot of times what I tell people, like, activism truly starts when you become an activist for yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, So a lot of times people ask, like, how would you get into activism? And I tell them, like, I started fighting for myself. Like People kept telling me I couldn't be this, so I started fighting for that. Once I started fighting for that, I realized it was a whole bunch of other niggas that needed to be fought for, too, for the same reason. So then I started fighting for them. Um, and then that's literally how activism starts. I think for me, the reason that my platform has grown so fast and has gotten so big and I get so much attention is because I'm able to parse through conversations with nuance. Uh, a lot of people just they just talk and they just like talk very linear. Um, People like your Tariq Nasheed, who, you know, know, and and it's like that, you know, broken clock activism, like I call it, Um, because there are points that they make that are right, but a broken clock is right twice a day. So it's like, on these linear levels, they make points that are right, but overall what they do is cause harm to the community because they don't understand nuance around issues of blackness and how everything can't be race first, when the issue is within our community. Facts. How could, it, how could black first be, you know, where you go with everything if my issue is with black people? <laughs> like so like black first can't work in community. Black first can work outside of community a lot of times, like when we're going against other races um with our issues. But it damn sure can't work when the issue is within our community.
0: Yeah, we talk um, about massaging the war and black homophobia <laughs> and shit, right?
2: Right, so like, right. You talk about like uh, misogyny, homophobia, transphobia, Um,
1: and even like,
2: you know, classism, ableism, which is something that I'm I'm learning to work through too. Like the ableist language that I may use, like when I say like, "Oh, I'm standing up for inequality," it's like, well, everybody actually can't stand up. Facts. But this was something that I, uh, uh, an activist within me um, who is disabled, kind of taught me one day, and she was like, you know, not to be rude or like pick out little things, but she's like, you do know everybody can't stand up, right? And I was like, damn, I never even thought about it like that. Or um, you know, the biggest lesson I learned was when people used to come for hashtag activism, and the disabled community, a lot of them were like, this is the only activism we can do. Like, the only thing you can do is tweet. I can't get out there and protest. I can't, so all I have is this. And that changed my whole views on, like, how activism work, how activism is like a highway with many lanes, and not just, like, some single vessel that we all have to like follow and fit into. And so, part of that activism looks like what you guys are doing, right? Having queer people on your show. Um, that, that's a thats a form of activism, because that's a push back against the norm. And it's a push back against um, the intolerance that we see a lot of times uh, inside and outside of community.
0: Yeah, I think that plays to the role that you were speaking on, on like respectability politics, right? That's like folks, Basically saying you can only do this thing this way or this is what this looks like. This is what an activist looks like. Mm-hmm. This is what an activist does. Um, so, yeah, that's I think that's something Blake and I are trying to be conscious of. Like, you feel me? We both got gold teeth. This nigga got big afro. I fucking sag in the office. Like, just trying to do all these things that combat, I guess, with fucking people. The images that people put out of this is what an activist and an organizer looks like.
1: Yeah. Because I feel like sometimes they try to put, put you in a box like, oh. Especially, like, if you look back in into the 60s, it's like, damn near everyone was wearing a suit. You know, not everyone, right? You yeah. know, the Panthers yeah. was looking different. But, like, if you didn't have a suit on, you know, if you didn't have a well cut haircut for a while, you know, especially, like, you know, Nation of Islam-type respectability politics, it's like, you're not an activist. Like, I, know, I remember one time I was at a bar, and they're like, Blake, you ain't on your activist shit? I'm like, no, can I not just, like, sip some Hennessy and hang out with my friends? Like, what?
2: <laughs> right. Um... Right. And 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 like truth be told, I always find those narratives funny, like when people show like those pictures or those memes of like back in the day, we dressed like this or back in the day we protested or we fought looking like this. It's like y'all do know, like back in the day, most most niggas wasn't supporting Martin Luther King, right?
1: Right. A lot of niggas didn't support the civil rights movement movement
2: right like people were like why are y'all shaking the table i mean like i don't know it's just we do these weird ahistorical things and so that's why one of the newer things like that i'm also working through is like abolition work um you know and abolition work is like really just abolishing systems um and and it could be even as small as like um not moving when like a white person doesn't say excuse me
1: so,
0: like I, I felt that like, in
1: my soul right there. shit just um,
2: me.
0: yeah. I could think of a, a million it. examples. <laughs> yeah.
2: And I did it just yesterday. Like me and my friend, we were at a coffee shop and we he was we were about to leave to go head out. And I could tell the woman was like waiting for our table, but she didn't say excuse me. And I was about to move out her way, and then I just stopped and I was like, I'm not moving. If she don't say excuse me, then I'm gonna wait till you're done and then we're gonna move. And then I did. You know, he took like maybe another minute to get ready. She just stood there. Um, once he got ready, we walked out and when I turned and then I turned around and I was like, next time if you say, excuse me, you can sit. And then we left. But I was like, you know what? That's part of like some of that work that we have to do, like to abolish the norm, right? Oh, you are supposed to move, like I'm supposed to move out the way cause you're, you think that you have the privilege to just do that. Um, and you don't, you need to say, excuse me, just like anybody else needs to say, excuse me. Um, so like, it's very small things that you can do, like in your daily life to abolish certain things and then like you know you have like macro level abolition work that looks like um getting rid of prisons right um which is also something that's tough to work through and something that i'm very public about like i understand the need to get rid of prisons i also understand that there are niggas like r kelly out there and i'm not
0: sure who want want those niggas on the streets
2: But, you know, working through abolition work means that community makes those decisions on what we do with niggas like that, even if that means death, as long as it doesn't mean that you're punishing him for a crime, but you're punishing him to protect others, right? And so, like, there are a lot of readings and teachings around what that looks like, too. Um, But I I, I do think, like, it's just important to know, like, that through all of this, like, this is, like, growing, right? And you make missteps along the way. And... My biggest thing right now is, like, not falling prey to a white bag. Um, You said bag? Yeah, Yeah. a white bag. Because, of course, you know, once you get a higher profile, white money comes at you quick.
1: Um, We talk a lot about that on this podcast, like, about how sometimes a lot of, quote-unquote, activists, you know, are selling out the movement, you know, and ain't really Uh tapped in with the communities that they be claiming to be tapped in with.
2: Right. Um, and that's why I, I make sure like people see me out and about with my community, right? Like I'm, I'm, I go out to gay clubs and I hang out with gay people. I'm also an alpha, so I'm in a fraternity. Um, I go to my fraternities conventions. I'm with straight people. Like I, the people who I say I'm fighting for, I'm with, <laughs> like, I'm not saying I'm fighting for these people, but the only time you ever see me is with celebrities at my side or, you know, yeah. things like that. Um, I try to make sure like that I I, I keep this humility about myself um, and I have a, a black grandmother who's still alive who's not going to let me not stay humble in all of this like that's just not an option um, so yeah yeah like yeah I got a
0: little off track but yeah no nah, you good fam that's I don't know how many episodes you've heard, if you heard any, but this is how
1: hella black goes. Yeah. We just, <laughs> like we'll have a script type shit or we'll have notes, but we kind of just like having a free phone conversation. You feel me? It's just hella black, hella authentic. You feel me? Right. But circling back, you know, you, you're you so you describe yourself as an abolitionist, right?
2: I'm working on that. Um, I, I I will say that I am like growing and in, growing into abolition work. <laughs> Right. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm fully there yet um, because some of my friends are really abolitionists. But I will say that I have started to do things, at least in my immediate life, to abolish um, respectability notions that um, I was forced to believe we had to do because we were black.
1: Facts. Yeah, that's one thing I feel like that's come up a lot, especially like from folks who identify as like abolitionists. Right. Especially around R. Kelly. Right. So I was like, I was wondering, what do you think about like being an abolitionist and then having someone like R. Kelly, you know, like for me, I'm like, I'm an abolitionist, but I really don't know what the answer. Like, walk him away. You feel me? Like he's clearly
2: because that's that's what we have. Right. And the system right now that we have is one that teaches when you do something, punishment is what is supposed to occur. Um, But we also know that living in a carceral state that we can't exist like that because it's always going to harm black and brown people first, um, ultimately. So, right. So that's, that's what I said. Like, it is very tough to work through that. Um, but again, like what I did, instead of like sitting in my own, like mind trying to figure it out, I contacted two people who I know are, um, abolitionists who, you know, I mean, and, and, you know, some of their answers were like, Oh, that nigga got to die. Like that's it. Like you yeah. know, I mean, like, it's abolish
1: R Kelly like all <laughs> the way.
2: Not die because of punishment, but die to stop the abuse. Fact. Because I like said the the goal of the the goal of abolition work is to stop the abuse. If the abuse doesn't happen, then you don't have to. Then there's no need for prisons or punishment because you stop the abuse at its head. So if the abuse is rape, then. To stop the abuse may look like needing to silence the predator, not cage the predator, but actually he just gotta go. And that was tough. It was tough to hear, but it was like powerful because it was like, okay, that, you know, that that actually is a solution.
0: Yeah, and we're and, talking about a serial <laughs> rapist, like not just a nigga who, yeah, this is like serial and also right. like pure predatory <laughs> shit going on.
2: Five years of like black women being.
1: And, you know, and
2: not even that, right? Because like R. Kelly is just a, is a person, but R. Kelly is even worse than a person. He's a culture. And so it's like, it's much bigger than, you know, like it just be a serial rapist, which is just awful. But not only are you a serial rapist, you are literally like a, a gatekeeper of a culture that allows it to happen. Um, and that's even more harmful than anything, bro. Is you know, like
0: spearheading this right movement, bro.
2: Right, because you then allow others to get away with it, because you can get away with it, and because you continue to move in the way that you move and navigate in the way that you navigate, you now open the space for others to get away with it, and that is what is the most heinous, you know, part about all of it. Is R. Kelly is you know the voice of a thousand. Serial rapist, <laughs> like right. he's he, not just him. Because let's be clear, it wasn't. If you watch the documentary, it wasn't just him. It was, it was Manager's the torment.
0: torment, yeah.
2: The the friends who went into the mall to get these young girls, the and because it wasn't
0: the it, producers.
2: Because if you think we watched that and believe that R. Kelly was the only one sleeping with these young girls that he was bringing around, and we all fool. Fuck. Me. It was all of them, everybody, and because he protected the system, he allowed other rapists to become rapists or have the, the, the access and the power to rapist too. He created and the conditions. That's what's the whole culture. Yeah. yeah.
1: So how do we get at these deeper cultural issues? Right. So like, how do we like, I don't know, abolish the system that also is producing this culture. Right. Repeat we'll beat that. Just thinking about like the system that produced mm-hmm. R. Kelly, right. The system of, you know, patriarchy, rape culture, right? So, like, right. one thing I'm, like, how do we start from, like, our early age of oh. teaching kids from consent, teaching kids consent, right? Or just teaching consent in general, right? And not waiting till like a lot of people in college learn consent, right? Or at a late in high school learn consent. How do we abolish this, like, rape culture? Or what are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, and you know what? That's, that's a good place to go, like, because what it starts with is, like, this whole um, notion that we condition boys one way and we condition girls a different way, right? Mm-hmm. Like we like little girls, it's like wear your skirts below your knee, don't be fast, don't be this, don't be that. But then the boys, we teaching them to be a ladies' man and t- attaching their manhood to sex,
0: giving them game, quote unquote, right? Coercion.
2: And how could that ever work? Like how could you on one side of your culture be teaching women to, you know, be one way? And, and to protect themselves and not be, you know, like, don't, you know, don't, you don't want to be a hoe. You don't want to be this, you don't want to be that. But then on the opposite side of that, we're teaching men to be ladies men and this and this. So if you're teaching that, then what happens when a girl who was taught not to be fast, not to be a hoe, not to be this, not to be that, meets a guy who was taught your manhood is attached to your sexuality, try and bag these girls, try and do this, try and do that. Rape is what happens because... <laughs> Literally, you have one party who's being taught not to do this and to say no. And you have another party that's taught to go at that at all costs.
0: And the, the party that's going at it is the most powerful party.
1: And it's the most power, power. breeze. Right. right. And so, straight with the patriarchy. So,
2: exactly. And so a lot of it is how we start to teach um, young boys, like you said, consent, and how we start to teach young boys um how, how you're supposed to navigate conversations around sex and how you're supposed to navigate j- just any of that. Like, I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of Chimamanda, but like her, you know, speech around, um, like how we teach girls to like aspire to marriage and we teach boys to aspire to power. Like, that's why you have so many situations where men cheat and women, you know, cause women are literally being groomed, um, from the time you are little girls to be nurturers. We give little girls baby dolls. We give boys power tools and and professions and costumes of, oh, you're going to be a firefighter. Oh, you're going to be a cop. Oh, you're going to be this, you're going to be that. And then little girls, we're giving them baby dolls and teaching them how to hold a bottle and teaching them how to hold a baby and teaching them how to clean up. Right, like a
0: like,
1: play kitchen.
2: Yeah. And I'm sitting here to myself going, like, do men not need to know how to fucking clean?
0: You know, as well, I was having a conversation with my homie yesterday and we were talking about Like, so you you talk about, like, your grandmother, right? And I think about when my great-grandmother passed away and, like, there was this whole thing behind her being the matriarch. And I'm like, bro, the matriarch is some pure bullshit. It's all sacrifice. Like, (laughs) from the moment you're born and you're taught, like you said, to little girls are playing with dolls and kitchen sets and laundry sets and shit, right? Like, we're grooming these folks to be matriarchs, but the matriarchal experience is just pure sacrifice. That's all it is. Right
2: and yeah and again like you again I always go back to like this whole notion that boys shouldn't know how to clean like or boys shouldn't know how to cook or boys shouldn't know how to do hair it's like don't boys have hair don't boys like, it, it, it's just My so hair great. long.
1: My hair long. <laughs> I'm just learning how to like do my shit, like, bruh. <laughs> and it's black women who taught
2: me. You know, it's funny. Like, I learned how to cornrow. Like, my mom was a beautician, um, still is a beautician, technically. But like, when I was growing up, she had her own hair salon, and I, I used to go there after school sometimes. And I remember that was one thing she didn't want was like me to go into hair. But I think that was more because of her fear of how I would be treated, you know, as a guy in hair. I don't. Like, I, I don't think I think it was tied to a lot of things and and her wanting to protect me. But I learned how to do hair at a very young age. I learned how to cornrow and all that. My grandmother Saturday mornings, uh, me, my brother, and my two cousins we used to stay with her practically every weekend. Um, Saturday mornings, eight a.m. Everybody needs to be up. Nine a.m. Everybody needs to be either sweeping, mopping, dusting, or doing something. By ten thirty, everybody should be washed, showered, and ready for our day. That was every single Saturday. She would cut on that music and we all knew what we were supposed to (laughs) do. You know what time it was. And so, like, it's funny now, like, when people who, like, go visit us or whatever and they're walking like, oh, your apartment smells good for a guy. Or, like, oh, my God, like, you cleaned it? Or, like, oh, this is it. I'm like, well, my grandmother raised us like that. Like, she didn't look at cleaning as a woman thing. She looked at cleaning as a Clean, a cleaning thing so like as she always felt little boys need to know how to clean up after they sell like I'm not picking up your plate and she was very she's a she was an interesting matriarch because like as nurturing as she was she was still like the fist in the house like she was the muscle and my grandfather um who's long past was actually like the more caring sensitive person mm-hmm. um but that I think it did it ended up helping and playing a role because again like now I can talk about these things with nuance. Like whoever, like the fact that grooming got linked to being gay was like one of the dumbest conversations we allowed to happen in our community. Ever. And now when we see like straight dudes that are getting their eyebrows done and, you know, getting their beards glossed up and fine as hell, now nobody says anything. But I'm like, I remember there was a time that not too far ago that straight men... I mean couldn't look like nothing. Like you had to look almost ungreened.
1: Like your nails had to be dirty. <laughs>
2: yeah. And I'm like, did you want a, like a yeast infection? Like what's going on?
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm like it's and, wild when I hear women like or you hear yeah. women like bashing dudes that are clean. I'm like, you let niggas touch you with those hands? <laughs> <laughs> like what the fuck?
2: And I mean you see it so much and it's so and that's another and you know, like that's another community conversation that I've had, you know. <laughs> Um, you know, sometimes black women are harsh on gays, and I understand it's a it's it's a a, a part where of, of my community that is also so um, harsh towards black women and, and misogynistic. But it's it's a it's a very toxic environment sometimes with um, the way that women come at us too. Like there are a lot of women who look at us as competition, and I'm like I I, I haven't fully figured that out yet how that, how that works, but. You know these are the I think to go back to a point you were trying to make, like how do we start to break some of this conditioning? I think we have to actually be willing to have conversations about it. um like Don Lemon, you know he 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 kind of close to getting a plate at the cookout, but you know because he's fucked up a lot in his career around some respectability stuff. What I will I say is the, like brown stuff like he was exactly. What I will say is I appreciate that you get to watch Don Lemon's growth, right? Like, we've all been able to literally watch him grow in his conversation, in his nuance, in his understanding of Black community. And I think that although, like, every piece of what he said during his, like, whole 10-minute monologue uh, on the Kevin Hart situation, there were parts that were like, oh, he still got to work through that. But I think overall he did a great job because he addressed the problem, right? You have a lot of Black gay celebrities who said nothing. Who to this day have still said nothing, Um, and he just was on the View recently, Don, and he brought it up again, and he was like, "I like I know who I am. I know this is my community. I have to speak for them. Like, you know, it's not Ellen's job to try and jump in and do it. Like, at some point, you have to be willing to have the conversation. Because what we're not saying is that homophobia only exists in Black community, but if any time we bring it up, the first thing you bring it up, bring up is but what about homophobia in the white community? Or, but what about this? Or, but what about raping them? You know, anytime we bring up an issue that's intracommunal, the first thing that gets brought up is, oh, but what about oh, white Yeah, and It's like, well, they need to die too. Like, I, what, I don't know what you think my answer was. Oh, did you think my answer was gonna be something different? Like, no, get them too. Like, I, I don't, I've never understood that, but I think that's kind of where we are, right? Like needing more people to have these conversations and it's it's always more impactful, I think, when straight black men speak out. Um, like when straight black men say something about homophobia, it seems to make people listen. My gay ass could go running from the rafters and say it all goddamn day. I'm just going to call out my name most of the time. A couple people will hear it though. Yeah. But I think when people like y'all then go back out into community and like, no, like this shit is not right, or this 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 can't work. Like we can't be against them. Or we can't do this. More people are more willing to listen. Um and I think a part of a lot of that is still conditioning, though, right? Because a lot of people are just conditioned to think that because because I'm I identify as queer, but it's like because I'm queer and because I am attracted to men, then a byproduct of that is that I may be attracted to a straight person and that's dangerous for the straight person. When realistically, it's like number one, learn to accept the fucking compliment if I do hit on you. And number two, if you're not attracted, just say, like, it's not that big a deal. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and a lot of times we turn these things into like an attack on a particular part of culture and a part of like heteronormative behavior. And that's the part that that bothers me the most because it's like straight community, like nobody's trying to do anything to end straightness. We're just saying that outside of straightness, this exists too, and this is a part of the totality of what black community looks like. Um, and that you've been conditioned to hate me through assimilation, through colonization. You've been taught to punch down on a community below you because the community above you punches down on you. Um, and so that's the work that I do a lot of times is like, why are you punching down? Like, nigga, I'm still black. Like, why are you punching down so much? And again, like, whatever I do is not a threat to your sexuality. Um, and oftentimes what I've dealt with from um, straight black men is a lot of them identify as straight because they have no space to identify as anything else.
0: Facts. Uh, 100%.
2: Um. <laughs> and and I feel like culture a lot of times is like that like we're boxed into like a label we're boxed into like a, a place where I can't identify as anything else um, and so it's, it's, I always laugh like when I hear like these parties are like Diddy you know and they talk about like Puffy and stuff you know all these rumors like oh cause we was at and then we I looked up we was at a gay club or I looked up and we, no you didn't look up you knew where the fuck you yeah, was going like it's <laughs> like it is okay like trust like my straight friends have been to a gay club with me they still are not gay and still have not slept with men.
0: Yeah, it's like, it, it's wild, bro. Um, and I think what's so hard for like men, black men. I'm gonna say black men because that's what I hang around. Like that's what I identify as. Um, it's especially like straight black men. Yeah, like so, like straight black men. I don't know. There's just uh, the, the homophobia is just rooted. It's it's rooted. like it's at the root of it, right? But for some reason,
1: I yeah. Fuck, I'm, I'm trying. Well, I think to, I'm it's like tied to manhood, like oh, you're less, you know.
0: Yeah, that yeah, like, like, that has something to do with it, but it's just we're so homophobic that we take things that aren't literal acts of home of oh, it homosexuality? I guess. Like, yeah. Like literally, like the whole wiping your ass thing, or the God. <laughs> like, or like engaging with sexual acts, like getting your ass say by a woman, like mm-hmm. niggas are like calling that. An act of homosexuality, you know, it's like I don't know, bro. Men are stupid at the end of the day. Straight, straight black men, <laughs> straight <man>. straight, <laughs> straight men Let's are stupid quick. at the end of the day. And it's yeah, and then it's also not being able to recognize how that in itself is homophobia, right? Like if you tell a man, if if I'm having a conversation with one of my niggas, right, and I'm like, bro, you questioning my sexuality because I let a woman lick my ass is homophobic. They can't seem to understand that.
2: Right, because what is it? Is it right? Because then, what is homophobia? Is it it, or what is being um shit now? I'm or what is being homosexual? Right? Yeah. Is it is it the definition, which is a man who likes a man, or is it now a whole bunch of other? You can't eat a banana. Is what it the yeah? Fuck? Like now, there was you wanna... really
1: a video of that going around. This is
0: how you eat a banana. Like what? This is how you eat I, ice cream. You're not okay. supposed to use umbrellas. No, and <laughs> at first, I thought it was jokes. At first thought it was just like some parody shit. Then I realized that niggas these actually niggas live by these laws. Serious. This is actually guy code.
2: Yeah. And and I've never and again, it's it's just so interesting. Like I don't even know how else to describe it, but but it's like I just feel like the the more you're starting to see queer people publicly, the more you're starting to see hetero community push back with these weird ideologies. Um Around, almost like how to how to spot a your nigga is gay. Like, does he eat a banana? Does he does he wipe his ass? Like, it's I don't know, very weird like ideologies around it. And I'm just like, okay, like, and at the end of the day, like it 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 just doesn't help our community at all. Like nobody's growing from any of that. And if you're a man, like it, again, like if your man is identifies as straight but is sleeping with men or sleeping with other um, people who identify differently that don't have nothing to do with the people that identify differently That's everything to do with your man so you might want to have a conversation number one with your man but you also might want to allow him the space to actually say what he is feeling sexually Um, something that I haven't like really dove into publicly yet um within like my fraternity like I'm very well known now um I have where straight men will contact me all the time to want to work through certain urges or feelings they're having and oftentimes it'll be like I'll give you an example of one like it's as simple as like I had a a call one day from a, a guy who I knew and um through the frat and he was like, I didn't want to, you know, talk to you about something. I was like, all right. And he was like, I was in the gym and he was like, you know, I was in a locker room. And was like, you know, people change in the locker room, whatever. He was like, but it was just one guy. And I just was looking at him changing. He was like, and I felt something. And I was like, okay. And so, you know, the next question was like, am I gay? And I was like, no. I don't know if
0: you watch The Office. You watch The Office?
2: I've seen The Office. Yeah,
0: there was an episode where this, like one of the characters he's just like i don't know something happened with a man but he started crying to the gay uh his gay co-worker like oscar am i gay <laughs> <laughs> like that just reminded me of it it was just such a small ass thing and it was just like damn bro like now you're questioning your whole sexuality right it's like
2: right you question now y'all like your whole existence of <laughs> yeah. and it's like okay first of all like and i am even, like, when I've been, like, talking to, like, especially people within my chapter, because everybody sees the work I'm doing, like, and they'll still have questions about anal, you know, <laughs> just, like, all kind of questions about stuff. I tell them all the time, are y'all attracted to girls or are you attracted to body parts? And they're like, what you mean? I'm like, well, I hear y'all, oh, I love a fat ass. I said, well, there are men who walk around with fat asses. So... And then they all, like, stopped one day and was like, oh, shit, I never thought about it like that. Right. Because I was like, y'all don't think, y'all just, you know, I'm like, y'all got to get out of that box of what you thought. You You know know what it
0: is? A lot of men don't really understand sexuality. Like, our concept of sexuality is so small, bro. Like, we don't really have conversations around sex. We don't have conversations around, like, what intimacy. Like, we really have a very finite understanding of sexuality.
2: Yeah. Right. And one of the one of the tweets, like, and I do it every so often just to make people, like, get all up and on. One of the tweets that I do every now and then is, like, you know, like, reminder, I do sleep with straight people. And people be like, wait, what? Like, what do you mean you sleep with straight men? I sleep with straight men. Listen, being gay is not just like sleeping with a man. Like, it's a whole, you have to literally be willing to live in the existence in the body of a gay person publicly navigate your spaces as a gay person. Like identity is one of those things like where people are still struggling to work through. Sexuality is one of those things our people are definitely still struggling to work through. It's like yes, there are a bunch of people, some of the hardest diggers that you will ever see who identify as straight that sleep with queer people.
0: Yeah.
2: That is not some new science, that is not some new shit that has just started. But their inability to be able to live as who they are if they're truly bisexual or if they're truly pansexual or if they're truly something else is what prevents them from ever being able to live in that identity. So the only identity for them to identify as is straight.
0: And then you gotta think about, so to that point, right? And then that becomes dangerous in situations for like the folks that are living in their truth for the queer or trans folks that are living in their truth or whatever else do you identify, right? You think about Dwight Howard. Like this is someone that obviously doesn't only want to sleep with cishead women, right? But him right. not being able to live in his truth because of the homophobia, the transphobia, the toxic masculinity. Now you got like trans women being threatened and shit, yeah. all yeah. because bro just wants to explore his sexuality. It's wild.
2: And again, like, it I always find <laughs> like, our, and I and I try and like help our community break down um, like shit that, you see. because like a lot of this shit is simple, so it's like okay. Let's let's take on Magic Johnson HIV, right? Y'all think Magic Johnson is the only person in all of sports that have contracted HIV? But we know for a fact that these niggas is running around raw dogging and sleeping with every woman in every country, in every state, in every, and every. Y'all think Magic Johnson is the only person, the only one, through the whole epidemic? Like that's not some abstract concept to think that there are more people than magic johnson who potentially could be infected with hiv Mm -hmm. in in professional sports right i think about homosexuality right y'all think michael sam's the only gay folk it's uh, and you got colleges and all these teams and all of these y'all think michael sam the The only only the only gay person
0: can't be that stupid can't be but
2: that's how they operate they Mm -hmm. literally operate in this vehicle, because like let because again, when a professional athlete is rumored to be gay, y'all see social media. Oh my god, what, what? Nah, how could he?
0: What? The White Howard it? shit is the most recent example, bro. It was ridiculous. I'm like, this is why this nigga's in the closet. <laughs> this is exactly <laughs> why.
2: Right, and this is why people stay closeted because again, if your concept of thinking is is that, that's crazy as hell. Which is why I talk publicly about having HIV because it would be very easy for me to grow this huge ass platform as a gay man and never say anything about it. Mm-hmm. And when people ask me, ignore the question or tell people it's not my business or it's not their business.
1: So um, what, what, what led you to doing activist work around HIV and AIDS and um, um, being public around it?
2: You know, primarily it was this like this whole belief I have about like not living with skeletons. Um, One of the things I learned very early on was like, I'm going to sell my gossip before anybody else sells it. So what are the things somebody could gossip about you about? And typically, whatever those things are, I've typically written about them or been very public about them myself because I get to control my narrative. Part of my narrative is that I live with HIV. So I can't, in, in my good conscience, feel like I'm going to liberate my community if I'm not willing to speak up and speak out on the things that directly not only affect me and infect me, but affect and infect others who are like me. Um, and so that was why I decided, I think when I wrote about it, I feel like it was 2014. Uh, it was 2014, 2015. I wrote a story about having HIV. And it shocked so many of my friends, my family, and everybody, because they were like, you literally went to college, got a master's degree, you know, um, been writing, was a CFO, like you did all of these great things in the world, and you were living with this and none of us knew it, Um, and but it, it helped a lot of them change their perspective, because they were like, I always thought, you know, HIV looked like death, or I thought it looked like this, or I thought it operated like this, or I thought you would have had to like leave society, and so for people to see someone like me doing all this, it is definitely changing the views and it is helping people to now change their understanding. And it's also making people go get tested.
0: Bro, I'm going <laughs> to tell you right now, I didn't have my first HIV test till I was like 23, bro. And by and I when I tell you I was like 100 partners in by the time I got my first HIV test, it's and I know what, ha- what it has to do with it is all the stigmas around it. Like Even yeah. as I was crafting, Blake and I were crafting this interview, we were like, damn, how do we even approach this conversation? Because it's like, it's 2019 now, and conversations around HIV are still taboo. Right. And this we know a for a fact, that like that you said, motherfuckers have. is out here having unprotected sex. Right. Like Niggas yeah. is going raw.
2: Yes, because we see all of the kids. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so <laughs> it's like, yeah, niggas is going raw because I, I see a lot of children. So, so we know people are having babies, um, but no, but on a serious note, it's crazy because, you know, when you really understand the epidemic and you understand that like black women are one of the highest infected populations, it's like, guys, if if the the population you're having sex with the most is highly, you know, has a high infection rate, then your population probably also has a high infection rate that's just not being talked about. So what is this
0: myth around like uh cishead men that only engage in vaginal sex or only engage in sex with um, with women are less less likely to be exposed to HIV if HIV is what's if if so, black women are most infected by it. Is that question so, makes sense? Is that the right language? So
2: yeah, I know exactly what you're getting at. Okay. Um, so basically I'm trying to explain this the best way so it don't, like, sound like crazy as shit. Because I understand, like, okay. Because even in our community, the myth was Tops couldn't get HIV. That was the myth for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Um, But what it really speaks to is that the person who's receiving, the receiving person um, during sex has more tissue exposed. Mm -hmm. So their chances of contracting the virus are much higher. So, like... For men, because the only thing exposed is your urethra during sex, you don't have as high of a risk. Like, you still can get infected. That's very clear. But your risk is much lower because there isn't as much tissue and blood being exposed um, as it is for a woman or a, a man or anus. Yeah. So that's basically how that whole story kind of got started. Because even in... Um, uh, the movie Precious, Monique was like, Oh no, I, I don't have sex in the ass. Like that was like those were like some of those myths. Like, as long as you don't have sex in the ass, you can't get HIV. Those were a lot of those myths, you know, during those times. But basically what it speaks to is that because men, um there isn't as much exposed uh like flesh during intercourse is why technically the there there isn't or the risk of contracting um is lessened so to speak but no straight men clearly can contract hiv because that's how straight women are contracting hiv Mm -hmm. um but what i think it speaks to much larger is the fact that straight men aren't getting tested and so you have a whole community of straight men that are unknowingly living with hiv
0: Um, it's just and there's it's wild because there's still this stigma around or there's still, like, this fear of getting tested. And I, that has to do with, I think, for most of us, our introduction to STDs in general are this scare tactic shit. It's like, don't fuck, you're going to yeah. get blue waffle. Don't fuck, you're going to get uncurable gonorrhea, super gonorrhea, whatever this shit is, right? Yeah, so then you
1: like, there's literally billboards of this, like, shit. Right there on West Grand, there's, like, a billboard, like, the undetectable syphilis, like, and it just makes it not like a... It doesn't encourage you to get tested It, it actually puts more fear in my Right, opinion. scare tactic yeah. I don't know if this is yeah. only
0: in America But it's like the way that we
1: teach safe sex Is through f- fear Like That's <laughs> yeah. literally it like, yeah, My like- dad my dad was literally like just always wear a condom Or I'm gonna do something to you Like that's my introduction to Sex like Or yeah. sex education if you even want to call it that
0: George bro I would love to get like Your thoughts on like what Kind of conversations we be ha- we should be having Around like what safe sex Actually looks like because obviously this Like scare tactics wear a condom all the time Are you going to get AIDS shit isn't working Because niggas is still going raw Not using condoms like So what does safe sex act, like Conversations around safe sex look like Knowing that most folks ain't really going to practice The safe sex the way they being taught Jesus What do conversations about safe sex look like Um
2: Yeah <laughs> Um, in the book, I touch on that because I was like, I when I think about like my sex education, I was like, it was horrible. Like, more, I'll say this: a lot of people are learning sex education through porn. Mm,
1: that's a bad place uh, to learn it. There's no piece like, shit. There's no yeah, there's no condoms. Like, that's
2: honestly, like porn probably teaches most people how to have sex, even how to put on a condom. Like, I mean, like most people then. I, I just, you know, honestly, it's either trial and error that they're learning. So it's like they're either learning through trial and error or, or through videos that they can see other
0: people having sex.
1: And I for um, sure have never seen a porn scene with like, you never see a porn scene with a condom being put on. Like, it's the
0: condom just magically appears. It's just
1: like magically <laughs> appears, like, ta da.
0: <laughs> right. Magically appears and it's so on. Um,
2: you know, it is. It's it's unbelievable that we're, like you said we're in 2019 and we're still like having this conversation around sex education, right? Um one of the biggest things is like this whole notion of abstinence is still running rampant in in America. Um like that there's like that that abstinence can even work. Um you have outdated teaching of sexual his, sexual intercourse. I mean, they don't even want to teach about anal sex but people do anal sex heterosexual people do anal sex too yeah. um and so i do think like sex education number 1 needs to be something definitely in the school system like like for real for real in the school system like some play course that you teach once kids are already 3 years into sex but like kids are having sex at what 12 13 yeah, even younger sex
0: for the first time at like 11 years old sixth grade type shit unprotected for sure
2: i mean you know like when you think about that it's like what is the actual fear of teaching kids? like the the notion is if you teach kids sex they'll go have it right. and it's like well they're having it anyway so you might as for me it's like kids are having sex anyway so you might as well teach them how to do it properly
1: especially in america it's like that with such a sex culture you know like especially right. as a kid, you can't avoid it. Like from TV to to everything, like games, you know, right? Yeah,
2: right. Sex is everywhere. Um, but again, because it's not being text, excuse me, because it's not being taught properly, um, it is also then bringing in like this whole culture of rape. Because um, kids, if, if you're not learning properly to have sex, then you're also probably not learning about consent, and you're also probably not navigating any of those conversations properly and you know you also have like issues around like um where where girls aren't really giving consent it's almost like uh i'm doing this because i think i'm supposed to do this but i'm not really consenting to this like you have like all of these like varied situations of like consent um and non-consent uh and, and it's always interesting like when we see it publicly talked about and like with Charlemagne, like I, I still don't understand how anybody is. Different. Like Charlemagne literally said, the girl was too. He knew the person was too intoxicated to consent, and still did what he did. And everybody's like, oh, but, oh, but what? Like, how, how, how do we get there? Um, but again, like you said, like a lot of it goes back to how we're being conditioned when we're young, and how boys are conditioned to be like these sexual shit. Some boys are really to be conditioned. Period. <laughs>
0: Like you said I
2: mean, they it. Chase it. Like literally it Chases earth Like And that shit is just toxic And Again like Yeah It's toxic And the way that we teach Sex education is just When we do teach it It's just deplorable. I, I, I can't even think of a word for it Because it's like, like I'm thinking about Myself And what I learned In sex education And I'm like shh, Nothing Like I, I I mean I was no better When I came out of it Um than I was when I went into you know sex ed, and again, like you said, because we make it such a taboo topic, it's not something that your parents want to talk to you about. Um,
1: Shoot, I ain't talking about like, church either, you know? Like, yeah,
0: and I, you
2: know what I always find interesting, like one of the shit things that I find funny is like when a person, like a parent, is like, "Yeah, and I bought my child a box of condoms to go to college." it's like that's great, but were you buying him condoms? Prior to sending to college, because, because where was that? Because I don't ever hear that part of the conversation.
0: Yeah, <laughs> my mom sent my mom sent me when she drove me to. Well, she came up to my dorm. She bought me like a hundred condoms. I'm like, you like seven years too late, my nigga. <laughs> like,
2: <laughs> and it's so interesting because it's like, well, now that you're on your own, I want to make sure you're protected. So it's like, yeah, but like you should have been doing that at 14, like when you knew that they were having sex. I will say my family was like parts of my family was really good about that and so like i remember like my aunts and uncles like buying their kids condoms like my older cousin when they were like 14 like she started like buying them condoms she was like listen i ain't stupid like you ain't you know gonna fuck in my home but i know when you out in these streets you gonna do it so here's some condoms like, right um i don't see anything wrong with that and i, I think like it's absurd like to To think that if you give them these things, they're going to then automatically engage in it. Like that's not how that works. Like they're going to engage in it anyway. Um, so why not have those conversations early and protect your child early um, from those from that and 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 create a culture of safe of uh, safer sex in your own home and in your own families. Um, yeah, I, and one more point we got to do a better job of teaching our own people like at home. Like we put a lot of the burden on the school system and the teachers. And it's like, but what are you teaching in your own home? So it's like, if you already know that your child is going to go to school and be taught that Thomas Jefferson was a great person. Well, when your child gets home, you might want to teach him that Thomas Jefferson was not a great person.
1: Right. In 1492, Columbus did not sail the blue. Right. He did not find the (laughs) shit.
2: Right. If your child is going to, to take sex education at the age of 16 But you already know that your child At 13 is already starting to have sex You might in your own home want to have that conversation With your child um,
0: um,
2: So I do think we need to be better About that
0: Facts. So for the sake of time I want us to Before we get into exclusive content I want us to talk about the Kevin Hart shit Because a lot of our Listeners I would assume Tend to be cishead males And I think this is Um just had blackmails for sure, and I think this is some shit they really need to hear uh so I guess like and you can correct Blake or myself if we describe this story the wrong way, the Kevin Hart situation, but it was from our understanding, right, like pretty much Kevin Hart got announced to do the to do the Globes or the oscars the Oscars he got announced to do the Oscars, right, and within like I don't know if it was like a couple hours, couple of minutes, uh some of his like um old tweets where he was being extremely homophobic and transphobic popped up, right? Right. And with, I guess, boom, same way he got announced, he got dropped from the shit. And he addressed it, and instead of like apologizing and holding himself accountable, he just said, like, yo, I'm not homophobic, and then went on a tour of explaining how he's not homophobic instead of holding himself accountable and apologizing. And at one point, he even said he's not going to apologize, right? Right. Yeah. So, it did did we did I explain that the right way?
2: Yeah, for the most part. So, yeah. So basically, what happened, right? Kevin Hart gets announced at the Oscars host. They pull up these old tweets. Now, number one, delete your old fucking tweets. It's I, not I, that I hard. I don't understand how ten years later, if you really apologize and, and people told you you was dead as wrong, why these tweets are still floating on floating on beyonce's internet i don't get it but okay delete your old tweets now the tweets come up and the oscars basically give him an ultimatum apologize or you're not gonna do it he feels he's apologized for this already now we have went through every single Kevin Hart interview, every single Kevin Hart clip, every single everything. Kevin Hart has never had never apologized. Like that that was problem number 1. He felt his apology was the fact that he stopped doing homophobic jokes because people are too sensitive. That's not an apology. That's victim blaming and and it's, it's still and it's in, let's truth be told, if you had to stop doing homophobic jokes because of somebody else, then that means you are still homophobic. Period. You should stop doing these things because of the potential damage you can cause. All right, we'll give you that. Um, he then finally apologized after he had already got removed as the Oscars host, literally that next day. So it was like, okay, Kevin Hart's been removed and that next day he issues like this apology. And then he starts, you know, pulling like MLK quotes out of context, <laughs> and, dang, and then you know the show that they always do. All right. Oh shit. We get a couple of weeks later, and all of a sudden he's sitting on Ellen, you know, white gays, big happy uh, mother show. And she then thinks she can give him forgiveness on a community that she ain't in.
0: Wait, I didn't. I didn't see the the actual interview, but did she like? Did she say we forgive you? Yeah. Who the fuck is we? <laughs> and she
2: was gonna use her power to take him back on the Oscars. Whoa! So that's supposed said, to be your
0: that's supposed to be your ally, right? She, you would think, but you know,
2: we know race first on that side is always gonna be race first, and you know this protection of powerful people and black. Okay, do do you? But now that's why now you've been dragged. So now you drug yourself into a situation. And Kevin Hart still ain't defending your ass. So, this is not okay. the hill
0: you want to die on, right. Ellen. Like this is not right. the hill.
2: Um. So basically, then, like you said, he goes on like this whole tour, like, "Oh, I'm past it," and "Oh, I'm this," well, "I'm that." Okay. Well, number one, you could be past it. That don't mean we past it. Like, I don't understand that. Like, that makes no sense. Like, just because you get past something, don't mean that the people whose words you hurt can get past something. The biggest issue with all of this, because I and I see, you know, straight black men are like, well, what would be a good apology for y'all? Well, what would be a this? What would be a that? So, number one, an actual apology. Like, I, I want the myth to die that he ever apologized. He never apologized. CNN hired investigative journalism, investigative journalists as well as vulture to literally investigate to just to, to make sure he never apologized. So we can already emphatically say he did not apologize in those whole ten years. Until he lost the Oscars job. And then that was the first time he apologized.
1: Yeah. Until the bag changed, right?
2: (laughs) Got it. Now, we get to this apology tour or this I'm going to explain myself tour or whatever the hell he wants to call it. Well, you're doing this because you have a movie coming out that came out yesterday. Nobody's dumb. So we know the whole timing of all of this is also bold. So, all right, whatever. The biggest thing for me, right, Nobody is asking him to be an ally or an advocate. I think Don Lemon did, but that was Don Lemon's choice. We ain't asking for all that. My thing is, if you're really grown and like you really had this growth and you really understand, like when a person grows, you can see it. If it's action, was, not words. Now that I'm six feet tall, you can see that I have grown from five feet to six feet. So what does growth look like? Growth would actually look like you supporting a cause, you doing, like I say in a video, these things, right? Um, Growth would actually look like you acknowledging why being homophobic is wrong. Because if you don't want to be an ally, that's fine. But you at least need to acknowledge why what you said was wrong and why what you said was dangerous. Mm -hmm. Especially the part about busting your child over the head with a dollhouse. Because there are actual LGBTQ kids who are getting their asses whooped every day by their parents.
1: And as a result, killing themselves, right, or ending up homeless, you know, like or
2: homeless or being killed. Like there have been black queer kids who have been killed by their parents. Um, Giovanni Melton is the main case where his father said, "I would rather have a dead son than a gay son."
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: He shot his 15 year old child for being gay. So you know, again, like all of the other shit aside, all of the other semantics and stuff aside, I say it all the time, like homophobic like certain words have power homophobic words and transphobic words when powerful people state them although those powerful people may not take action with those words the people who are listening to them and who are being guided by them and who are you know um standing for them literally do take those words out and then it plays out in community that way it, um,
0: and that's a conversation i've had like before it's like you hear it with so so many folks like, oh, it's just words, but y'all don't understand how words... They're violent. They lead to actions, bro. Right. Like y'all say, people say, and he had a tweet that was like, my wife not cooking, I'm a Chris Browner ass. Domestic violence is a real thing, bro. Like, it's, it's not just words. It's words that are linked to actual violent actions, bro. And it's encouraging. Dark- people. I think that
2: said dark-skinned women can take punches in the face harder than light-skinned women. Like, come on,
0: bro. What the fuck? Like,
2: yeah, that just like I'm um, again, and I I I'm all for of people working through their stuff like yeah, some of this shit was old, but let's and I wrote about it in my column uh for yesterday about this whole because I'm just tired of tired ass apologies, Lady Gaga's included. Um, I wrote about it. Kevin Hart is one of those black men who has never had to face consequences for his bad actions. Mm-hmm. And that's something that happens a lot with black men, especially like when they get into, not from the state, like we know the state is after black men. I, I would never say that, like on that side of things. But what I will say is within community, black men get protected overwhelmingly. We can't destroy the black image and we can't do these things So we can't allow our dirt to get out. We can't, you know what I mean? Like. Even if we have predators in our family, no, you know, uncle so-and-so touched. Nope, we're not going to talk about it. We're just going to, you know, move uncle so-and-so away, but we're never going to talk about it. We're never going to address it, whatever. Kevin Hart cheated on his first wife with his current wife, then she- current wife when she was eight months pregnant and survived that whole scandal. You are a man who is just used to getting away with whatever the fuck that you do that's heinous.
1: And that's why, like, literally black men benefit from patriarchy. Black straight men are benefiting from this patriarchy, but it goes over people's head all the time.
2: Yeah. And this is the first time that in his career something stopped his bag. And because he has gone so long as a black man who has been able to do those things and kind of get away with them and not have to be checked and not have to realistically could say whatever his little public apology was and get away with it. He does not know what to do, and so what you're seeing is him just basically flailing in the wind because he doesn't get it. I don't. I don't get it. Like, and you know how he talks. I don't get it. I don't. I don't understand this. And what? What is? And how is this happening? And like, you're nobody's victim, so nobody's gonna believe that part. You clearly didn't apologize, and you think that you're better. Like, you just think that this should go away, and the fact that it hasn't gone away is. And that's, again, it just speaks to the larger overall culture. And, you know, at the end of the day, like I always say, homophobia ain't never canceled anybody. It it just it's not strong enough to get anybody canceled because it doesn't have enough people who fully understand why
0: homophobia is such a bad thing. Or enough people in power to advocate for it. Right. Or enough
2: people in power to advocate for it. Um, But, you know, what I will say is that what we are witnessing at the beginning of 2019 is definitely a, a change in culture and a change in trends. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the whole Surviving R. Kelly has brought a lot of things to light. It it has opened up the space now for people to publicly be challenged um, in a way that has never been seen before to the point where you now have Lady Gaga trying to figure out her way up out of it. You know, you got people, like I said, like like Kevin Hart can't figure his way up out of it. Like you, you're going to be held accountable now. Um, and now there are networks who are giving people access to hold you accountable
1: yeah. in a big
2: way. And so I think what we're going to see moving forward is a lot more of this, like a lot more of when people fuck up they're not it's just not going to blow over like it used to it's just not going to be like a day of tweets and then by the next day everybody back to listening to these people music and supporting them again i think there are going to be like real actual damages that you can actually see now um i mean honestly like this movie that apparently like he's released this week is supposed was supposed to be like him breaking into like oscar territory right like being nominated and like showing his acting range, supposedly. And he let homophobia literally kind of kill that. Um and again. Um I just want people to get to a place where they just be like, I fucked up. <laughs> uh, yeah. Accountability can look like that. Like this is how I fucked up, this is who I fucked up. This is how I'm going to fix the fuck up. This is what I learned from fucking up. This is why I'll never do it again. If we start to get people like to understand, like that's actually like what an apology looks like, sounds like, should move like, um, I think we'll be in a much better place. But right now, we just, I don't know, like we're just in a weird place. But what I will say is, I'm very glad that this thing has come to light because homophobia. Um, it is just so dangerous It's so dangerous for so many people And now we're getting to actually like Challenge it And you know Feel like things happen now When you're terrible towards Your own people
0: There's gonna be re- reper- reper- repercussions for that shit Yeah
2: and and, and and there are now straight black people Who are starting to fall into the fold Of supporting us
0: So yeah on that point um, Before we get into the exclusive shit For Blake and myself and all the other cis head folks that are listening out there, like, how should we and can we use our privilege uh, to advocate for the LGBTQ community? And, you know, what type of work should we be doing?
1: Yeah, because I know one thing you also spoke about, too, is, like, I think one thing we try to do a lot on this is, like, it isn't the person who is experiencing, you know, the oppression to all it's not their duty to always educate. Like I'm supposed us, to survive and educate you, my nigga. Right. So like us as black straight men, like we feel like it's a it's an obligation, and if we all want to be free, this is part of you know being liberated, right. So like part of our our goal is also to to do that work, to do that labor of educating other straight black men. But what are what are your thoughts?
2: You know what I'm. Am- one of the things I always say is, um, oftentimes people don't have the language, and I and I get that. So like for a uh, CISET community, like I understand that a lot of times y'all don't have the language to even talk about like why homophobia is bad because you're you're learning a lot of it yourself. Um, so the biggest thing that you can do, which there are some people who have done an amazing job of this, is like if you find a good LGBTQ person that you follow who, who is very good at disseminating information to like, use your platform excuse me, to share the words they're saying. Um, a lot of times I go viral uh, it's because there are straight black men and straight black women who have very large platforms that follow me who retweet a lot of the shit I say when I'm talking about homophobia, transphobia, and misogyny um, because they don't necessarily have the words. So they're like, well, I don't have the words but this nigga got the words. So I'm going to just make sure that everybody on my timeline see his words to know this is how I feel too. Right. Um Support, you know, I tell you all the time, support can look like many things, right? Support can look like money, uh, sending money to, like, uh, certain causes. Um, support could look like, like I said, a retweet. Support could also look like you, uh, more straight Black people talking about their struggles with unlearning homophobia. Um, I think a lot of times, because of how social media is a vacuum, it gives you, like, this microwave effect that people just go from one day... I was homophobic to the next day I'm not right. Right. um I think more straight black men or just straight black people in general, it would be nicer to to see to see the unlearning and for people to understand you know to to say like, oh, I remember like you know, when I used to be on a basketball court, I used to say like oh, that's gay or oh that's you know whatever and now I understand that's stupid because like that what that had nothing to do with homosexuality like you know what I mean like and we shouldn't use those type of slurs to describe something else. Like the more people that get to see the unlearning, the easier it is for other people to unlearn too. Um, so I think that's part of like the the biggest thing that I think um, to people could do is to start to, to speak more, start to give marginalized people who have less platforms, less access, um, use of their platforms to be able to share their voices um, more widely. Um, and to just be supportive, like you know, when trans people are getting killed, and you see the article, like don't ignore the article, read the article, you know, quote tweet the article, and be like, stop killing trans people. Like you know, what I mean, it's it's so it's so simple. Like
0: it's not that hard. I mean, not not saying it's not it's not it's not, it's not as much labor as compared to living the shit. It's it really not is as hard as living it.
2: Right, and I just think that again, like so many people try and make it so hard, and it's like. Do you love black lives? Yes. Do you think black lives matter? Yes. Is this person a black life? Yes. Okay, so what the fuck is the issue? Like, put your other shit aside because, like, if your whole hiccup is, like, religion or, like, well, I don't agree with sex with Okay, well, I don't agree with, you know, bad wigs. I don't agree with, (laughs) like, I mean, it's a bunch of shit
1: that, like... And they contradict themselves, too. Like, they still eating barbecue ribs at the cookout, and the Bible also says, don't eat pork.
2: Right, and you know, like how many? And I say it all the time: how many sins did you skip over to get to mine? Like when you was reading your your Bible, how many of your sins and your vices did you skip to get to the part about mine to use to crucify me? Because that's realistically what this is, right? Because a whole bunch of y'all run around here masturbating, and I know the Bible says something about that.
0: Masturbating the sins. I was already going to hell, but I definitely stabbed <laughs> <snapped> my ticket. <laughs> it
2: said you're not supposed to spill seeds and, like, it's...
1: My you ain't supposed to, to wear polyester, earth. you know?
2: It's <laughs> like. But, I mean, honestly, I, you know, like, I'm being funny, but, I, but also, like, truthfully, like, right? Like, how many sins and how many vices and how many parts of the Bible did you not, you know, wedlock out of wedlock? Like, come on, y'all. Like, it's just ridiculous, and I just want people to really get down to the bare bones of, of, of situations, right? If black lives matter, then I mean black trans lives matter, and black queer lives matter, and black disabled lives matter, and black poor people matter. Like, because, like, right? Because then you also have like this whole classist part of, that underlies too, right? Because niggas like us, if, if the three of us was together, like you say, y'all yeah, got gold teeth, I got all these tattoos, there are certain niggas who don't even care about our sexuality because of what we look like, they're not going to support us anyway because we're not respectable Negroes. So then you have a whole nother side, right? And it's like, how do we like just get to a place where it's like, when I think, uh, I don't know if you guys remember the commercial, but it was like a Budweiser commercial. And basically like they had like a, it was like a straight white guy and like a trans, like a white trans woman. Like they both walked into a room and they just like told them like each to stand at the bar. And like, they had a whole conversation and then a screen popped up and on the screen, like it was like a tweet that the white guy had said about hating trans people. And then the woman was like, "Well, I'm trans. And so then like this question pops up and and it's like, would you like to stay at the bar and have a drink with this person in a conversation, or do you want to walk away from it? And they were doing it with like white and black people, like a white person who said like a racist thing or like, and they like they they like did this whole like montage. And it was kind of dope because at the end of the day, each person ended up staying and saying they wanted to have a drink to learn more. And that's what I think a lot of times is missing social media. A lot of times is like us, like talking at each other and not talking to each other and working through situations, things that we say publicly in social media, we wouldn't necessarily say face to face with a person. Facts. Um, and I've been in rooms with people who were homophobic and, you know, I get on like my, you know, somebody asked me about liberation or something or whatever, and, and I start to talk about like we got to break this, we got to deconstruct this, because this taught you this, and this is what taught you to be like this. And, this. and some of those homophobic people, by the end of the night, will come up to me and whisper like, "Yo, bro, like, you know, I'm not with the gay shit, but like, you dope, or like, you this." Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, like I'm still a person. Like, I, I, I still talk shit and drink liquor. I eat chicken. Like, you know what I mean? Like. <laughs> yeah. sure. Like, I don't like we get so caught up on like the smallest parts of people that we remove any type of humanity they have. Um, and I'm also like unlearning the fact that to ever think that black people had humanity in this country because we have never even had been afforded that. But what I will say is intro community, int- intra community wise, I think we have humanity with each other. Um, I just think that we harp on the smallest things of people and not the totality of people. I mean, and we I think-
0: learned that from the white folks.
2: Right. And and, and again, like, right, a lot of that is the conditioning of how we got there. Um, I just like to look at people as total. So like, even straight black people who are homophobic, like, I'm not going to dispose of you because like, there is something about you that's worth being protected. Um, and I'm always gonna try and teach you. Now there's some people that you just we just gonna have to leave off the liberation train. Like it is what it is. You know, Umar Tyreek they can go somewhere and build a school for their little HoTep kids, and they could you know do whatever the fuck they want to do. But everybody else, <laughs> um <laughs> HoTep Academy, right? That ain't never gonna get built because they, they scammers
1: spend-
2: <laughs> right, on black and miles and and um, Afro Sheen, but. I think that, again, conversations like these with you, conversations that I have like publicly with with straight black men, like on my timeline, who were like, wow, like I really learned something today. Or like, you know what, even with the Ellen video, I was surprised at how many black men were like, you know what, like before this situation, like I was like, oh, y'all just being, you know, sensitive or whatever, but they was like, you said some real shit on this video that I hadn't thought about.
0: Um, and that's kind of like. Hey, that's you two light-skinned niggas, bro. Like y'all niggas ain't gonna turn your notifications off.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's not, not me.
0: That's George, nigga. Uh-oh. Before it's not- it was you too. Cause it's my macbook i don't know how to cut the sound Man, it's off.
1: terrible bro. you Fuck. acting like your phone wasn't over here vibrating
0: literally no no one on the podcast gonna be able to hear my phone vibrating niggas. yeah no
1: one would have known i would have cut it out in the audio you Both feel me i'm niggas I... shit Man. going off. my fault <laughs> Keep going, bro. yeah
2: i might be very light-skinned with that like i am not a techie and <laughs> i definitely expect somebody to fix this stuff for me so <laughs> um but yeah you know i think like again, I think it's like about having the conversations and it's one of the things that I'm actually working on with Vice. Um, I'm pitching a documentary about um, black boys and um, sexual abuse. And um, we're trying to work through some details so that I could EP that and make it like a really large event or situation with like celebrities and everybody like really talking about what happened to them as children. Um, because homophobia, I think stems from that too. And a lot of times what we don't get to see is straight black men and gay black men just in the room together talking through this. Um, and I think if we got to see more of that, then people would understand how it actually exists. People, I think, don't see it, so they don't know how it exists. And so it just by, it, like Do you
0: mean like straight, straight black men and queer or gay it, black men talk like existing together?
2: Yes. Yeah. I think a lot. People don't know how it exists. And so because they don't see
0: it, because it's like you
2: go, if, if you're a straight black man, most of your communal sp- spaces are the barbershop. It could potentially be the church, but it could potentially be like spaces that are overwhelmingly dominated by hetero people. The gym. Right, the gym. And so it's like, if you're not visibly in spaces with gay people, you don't even know potentially how to operate because the only thing you know is well, they like men and I'm a man and I don't want them to like me. And that's basically the, the depth of the analysis you have around gay black people. Not realizing that you may already be friends with gay black people or that some of us ain't trying to be bothered with y'all.
0: <laughs> that's what I'm hoping folks can get from this episode. Like the niggas that's listening, like you got two cis head folks and the, two cis head black men and a queer black man existing peacefully. <laughs> King, right. game, talking right. breaking bread you feel me shooting right. the shit
1: being niggas being light-skinned you know
2: because yeah. literally the one critique i get from tariq nasheed Tariq she attacks me all the time but like the one thing he like he hates straight black man and i would be like i don't like i can't hate him i sleep with him like what are you talking about bro <laughs> I, I i don't understand that but no, no no i usually say that as a joke but i'd say like i can't hate him Like, my brother is a straight black man. My father is a straight black man. Like, nigga, when I'm protesting police killings, it's straight black men who are being killed. Like, no, you just don't like being held accountable. Like, I love straight black men. I'm always going to. Um, But I also know that there was a point in my life, I navigated my life as a straight black man. So I know what the conditioning is because I wasn't raised as a gay black man. I was gay, but I wasn't raised as one. You know what I mean? Like, I was still under the conditionings of learning how having, having to play football and basketball and uh, sports and, and all of the stuff I needed to know as a boy, quote unquote, to, to survive and to navigate. So I still was conditioned in those very same ways. It isn't until now that I'm unlearning a whole lot of that stuff and being able to be more freer um, with myself and with the things I like and the things I don't like, the things I was forced to like because that's what boys are supposed to do. Um, and so we end up here where I'm just trying to help you know, other straight black men understand, like, you can get a manicure, bruh. Like, it's like, trust me, I promise you, it is not like going to like, just automatically turn every woman off from you. And like, it's just, it's just, yeah. Like breaking like these small concepts of masculinity um, and what that looks like is kind of like my objective. A lot of times when I'm talking with straight black men, who are who i think are persecuted you know a lot and just need space to almost like learn themselves for the first time outside of what they've been conditioned to be
0: Facts, man we Whew. got
1: george on here dropping his knowledge this is yeah this has been great like there's definitely going to need to be like a part two at some point because I feel like we only talked about maybe a couple of the things that we aim to talk about. So, you know, we're trying to also stay in our uh, hella black budget. You feel me? <laughs> we
0: good. So,
1: <laughs> if you want to get this next part, you got to become a patron. Yeah. So, pay up so we can continue to, you know, have guests on our episodes as well so we can pay our guests. You feel me? We ain't, you know, we paying our guests and shit. You feel me? So,
0: except for if you white. Or, or we might not ever have a white guest. hell no this saying uh, hell white you yeah, so might never, <laughs> and, or, or if you identify as straight and you make money straight black male we probably not gonna pay you yeah so keep it a bad you could just consider this
1: community service <laughs> um so to tap in this next spot you feel me patreon.com slash hell black george you want to shout out your socials one more time
2: uh it's I am gm Johnson on twitter as well as on Instagram, Um, I have a Facebook, it's George M. Johnson, but I mean, I post from there time to time because, you know, Facebook is the feds. Facts.
0: So y'all follow George and support his shit.